Today's scripture comes from the book of Psalm 73, 25 to 28. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell all of you, may tell of all your works. This is the word of the Lord. Um, so I want to pray with, uh, together before we begin. So let me pray one more time, and then we'll get right into our word. Um, Lord, we thank you for uh, who you are, what you do, um, how you care for us, how you walk with us, how you show us and lead the way for us. Um, help us to um, just learn how to be wise in this world as we live in it and uh, depend and lean on you. Um, so we just pray that you would teach us today. And uh, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, as I was saying, uh, the world continues to get bigger and bigger as we grow into it. There's greater opportunity. There's more to see, more to experience. Uh, but along with that, um, there's also more temptation, right? more things that can go wrong, more opportunity for sin. All right, so what I, wanna, what I want us to see today is that the world gets bigger and bigger, right? but I also want us to know that God is near. Right, so the world gets bigger and bigger, but God is near. And the passage uh, that Manny read for us is uh, hopefully a, quite a familiar passage to many of us. Um, it says, it said once again, Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Uh, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Right, when I was young, there was a song that we used to sing uh, with those words, a very simple song. Uh, but um, those words, they're beautiful and they're encouraging. And uh, we have to look and see, how did this psalmist get to that conclusion? How did the psalmist get to this, 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 you know, this chorus of, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever? How did he reach these conclusions? All right, so that's what we're going to look at today. So if you are a recent graduate, you can pull out your fancy new Bibles and turn to Psalm 73 because we're going to go through it together. And uh, we're going to start at verse 1. All right, we're going to start at verse 1. And uh, it says in verse 1, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. All right, and um, again, uh, just real quickly, since we have a lot of young ones, I'm going to try to make it a little bit more interactive. I'll ask some questions here and there. Uh, but uh, I want to read this verse one more time, and I want you guys to, you know, some, with a thumbs up or a thumbs down, were things going well or bad for this guy as I read verse 1, right? So truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. So everyone, is, are things going good or bad at this point? All right, all the kids, good, bad? Good, bad. How, think, how are things going? Okay, I see thumbs up. All right, yeah. Uh, verse 1. So chapter 73 of Psalm, verse 1. All right. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Right? And, and hopefully you'd recognize that things are good. Right? He's praising God. Uh, he's saying, um, you know, God is good. And today we would say, truly God is good to Christians, or he's good to his people. Right? Whoever is writing this, or it says the Psalm of Asaph, right? so this psalmist is, recognizes God's goodness, God's faithfulness, 
probably experienced God's mercy, his love, and he's praising God. He's saying, truly, God is good. God is good right? to those who are pure in heart. Right? And uh, already we can probably throw in the gospel a little bit here. You know, who are those that are pure in heart? How would someone in the Old Testament be pure in heart? Right? The people in the Old Testament, they would have to follow God's law. But in addition to that, there was animal sacrifice. Right? Uh, and on, on occasion, they would sacrifice an animal, and you know, that would be representative of putting their sins on this animal. And this animal would have to die uh, because of the wrongdoings that they had done. Right? And that might sound kind of brutal, might sound kind of harsh, but you know, this is something basically all through history, all through every civilization, through every tribe and nation, you know, this is something that is just built into people. Right? When someone wrongs you, there should be some kind of justice. Right? I could go into the middle of the Amazon, find some random island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, find some unreached people, and you know, if I walked up to them and just like murdered them, someone would want to murder me, right? Or they'd want justice and they'd want to kill me. It wouldn't be murder at that point, it'd be justice. Right? That's just how it's built into people that there must be justice. There must be some kind of penalty for sin. Um, when I was young, all right, when I was really young, like Nico and Sam, when I was their age, right, I have one older brother. Okay, and you know, you know, brothers, we get into trouble all the time, right? Right, right, brothers, we get into trouble. Okay, and sometimes I would get into trouble, but somehow my brother would be the one that got punished. Somehow, all right. So you know, something would break, and I would kind of be like, "He did it," and I'd run away. And then next thing you know, I'd hear my parents yelling and and hitting my brother, and I'd be in my room just kind of like guilty but happy, <laughs> you know, because I recognize that there has to be a price for sin, and somebody has to pay for it. And hopefully it's not me, all right? On some occasions it was my brother, right? And that happens, right? That happens, right? And, um, and we know that there has to be a price for sin, right? And uh, for instance, uh, when we're thinking about pure of heart, animal sacrifice, that sin fell on the animal, and of course that would foreshadow uh, the sin that would fall on Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. Okay, so the law and sacrifice are important, but at the end of the day, it's only Jesus who can do what no one else could do, no animal could do, no other person could do, because uh, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. All right, so in verse 1, things get started really well, right? but there is a big but that comes in verse 2. Right? This but isn't the kind that's on your behinds, right? but it's the three-letter kinds. Right, so let's read verse 2, 73 verse 2. It says this, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. Okay. Um, uh, we had the title up here. The title of the sermon was Good, Bad, and Best. Okay, those are the points of the sermon. So if you're taking notes, that's where we're going. All right, so the good part, we just got through that. Let's get to the bad part. All right, verse 2. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. All right, although this psalmist, although Asaph knew that God was good, he almost walked away from God. All right, so this person knows that God is good, but he almost turns away from him and walks away, right, which leads to uh, one of the favorite questions of kids age 3 to 5. What's your favorite question? Why? 
Why? Why? Okay? We have to ask this question. Why would this man that knows God want to walk away from God after knowing how good he is? Right? And uh, as you can read for yourself, all right, uh, verses 3 to 15, the psalmist gives us many, many, many reasons why. Right? The world is so big, and he comes up with so many whys as to why he would walk away from God. Uh, but today, uh, I just want to look at one reason. One reason why someone would potentially, or some people, walk away from God. And then that comes in verse 3. All right, so verse 3 says, For I was envious of the arrogance when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. All right, I saw, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. All right, so envy is a word that maybe we don't use very often, but envy uh, can mean jealousy or a feeling of discontent or covetousness uh, with regards to something that someone else has, uh, their success, their position. All right, so for all the children in here, all right, a question for you guys. All right, have you ever been envious? Have you ever been jealous of someone else? You saw something that they had, and you're like, I want that. All right, can any of you think of an example of that? Right. You can be bold just because your parents are here. All right, Christopher, get us started. All right, what was something you were envious of? I saw you raising your hand. Real loud. Yeah, yeah, you have to say it. Oh, come on, come on. You're, you're in youth group now. You got to be bold. All right, anyone else? Anyone else? All right, Joshua. One time, I got really jealous that my brother got like a tablet, but I was really young, so it didn't matter. Okay, so he was jealous of a tablet. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah, Teo. Uh huh. Okay, so he said uh, there was another kid who had a really nice Lego set, and he was like, dang. All right, anyone else? Anyone else? Something you were jealous of? You saw? Okay, Solomon. Well, this is today. Uh-huh, today. Okay, current events. Okay, so he saw a lightsaber, and he wanted it. All right, any other, kid? any other kids? Kids? Anybody else? All right, something you were jealous of. You saw something that someone else had. Yeah, Sam, of course you have to answer. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Uh huh. Oh. Okay, thank you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. All right, if you didn't hear him, he said they have a puzzle ball, and Solomon figured it out in like two tries, and Sam was really angry that he, was, he had to try so many times to figure it out. Okay, anyone else? One more. I'll give you one more. Anybody? Okay, Joshua, another one. So, like, one time I learned how to make a whirlpool underwater, and it took me like two days. Uh huh. Ah, okay. So he made a whirlpool underwater and his brother did it way quicker. So he was jealous of that. All right. Isn't that fun? We should do this more often. Okay. So tell Solomon or tell Pastor Susong, tell, uh, tell Pastor Young, ask questions during service. It's fun. All right. Um, 
One of the things I remember seeing when I was in college, there was uh, one student there, he was an undergrad. Him and his brother both had super nice cars. They were super nice and they had like these fancy body kits. This was time like Fast and Furious was really popular. And his license plate had the letters N, V, and then me. <laughs> All right. So he knew he had a cool car, so he wanted everyone to envy him. All right. And when we think about envy, when we think about jealousy, jealousy is no respecter of age, intelligence, wealth, or power. Envy is something that affects everybody. Right? If you think about it, like when is the earliest that someone can show envy? Right? And all the parents know, like even when they're little babies, right, and then the baby looks over and sees another baby with like a stuffed animal, the baby will crawl over and rip that thing away from him. Right? And then they'll be crying, and then the other baby will rip it back, and then they'll both be crying. Right? And that as babies, you can see that there's envy, there's jealousy, there's something that this person has that I want. Right? And it only gets worse as they learn to talk. And they can say, mine, mine, mine. Right? So little kids experience this. Right? And for all the adults in the room, does it get any better as we get older? No. no, right? So sorry, kids. Your jealousy, it's only going to get worse as you get older. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't change. Right? Adults envy jobs or this other person's girlfriend or boyfriend or fancy phones or nice shoes or whatever. Like as far as you know, the east and the sky and every, you know, as big as everything can be, we envy everything. Right? It's a crazy thing. And the scary thing in today's world is that envy is being supercharged like crazy by the yeah, internet, right? Internet, social media, all these different things. Right? Uh, the, the internet and social media is practically like gasoline on the fire of envy and jealousy. All right, uh, for all you young ones, when I was a kid, right, the only things I could be envious of for my friends were whatever they brought to school. Right? When they brought like, something cool to school, then I could see it and be envious of it. But for you guys, right, you have to be envious of everything all the time, 24 hours a day. Like You get on Instagram, and you have to be envious of what they eat every single day, where they go on vacation, the shoes that they just bought, the friends that they're hanging out with, the party that you didn't get invited to. It's like all the time. It never turns off. Right? So I feel so sorry for you guys. Right? You're growing up in a very tough world. Right? Um, so yeah, today, envy is supercharged. It's like on a whole nother level. Um, there's a term created by smart people, researchers, uh, who study this kind of thing. And uh, they call, or they study things called social contagions. All right, so, um, you know, um, it's kind of a study of how ideas or information spreads. Right? So just like, um, you know, COVID-19 is a, is a biological contagion, it's something that's contagious and spreads to other people. Right? There's information, things on the internet that spread. And so they study, how does this stuff happen? Right? And um, the crazy thing about it is the spread doesn't have to be based on truth or real conviction. Right? Stuff just spreads like based on 
oh, the, this news source said this, or my friends are saying this, so I want to say the same thing, or there's a bunch of people posting you know, this thing, this picture, or this shape, so I'm going to start posting that picture. And these things just spread like crazy. They go, you know, as we often say, they, they go viral. Um, there, there's crazy things that happen in this world. I don't understand like, what's wrong with people. But um, a lot of you guys use TikTok. Right? And I don't know why you guys use TikTok, because every video uses like the same three songs, and it drives me crazy after a while. Right? But there's things that happened. Uh, a couple years ago, there was like a Tide Pod challenge. All right? So there's like important, pe what, important people on the internet, because they have a lot of people that follow them. Right? So they like got the Tide Pods, you know those laundry detergent things, and they're colorful. So they like, hey, we're going to eat this. So they ate it, like popular person. So like, this was a social contagion. It was a virus. So like there's people, like other people that are like, whoa, they did it. So if I do it, maybe I can be famous. This is something that I want. Right? I, I noticed that they got a lot of views and a lot of likes and a lot of comments. A lot of people were um, you know, interested in them. So maybe they'll be interested in me. So all of a sudden, all these, I wish I could say just kids, but they weren't just kids. They were adults, too. They would eat Tide Pods. All right. I, okay. So, um, at at 2018, there was a news report that said 10 people had died from doing this. All right. There were like tens of thousands that have gotten called poison control. All right. So this this is our world. All right. This is our world. This is how powerful envy is. All right. Just for the chance of getting famous on some small application that doesn't even matter in the in the big scheme of things. All right. People are willing to eat. Tide Pods, right? Uh, along the time of COVID-19, they were licking toilet bowls. There's like the COVID toilet bowl challenge, right? Um, people are weird, right? So, um, yeah, so we have to be careful of these things, right? We have to be careful of these things, right? especially our young ones, okay? All our young ones, right, with the, you know, you, when you get your phone and you have all these apps, you, we got to be careful of these things, right? Many of us were incredibly, incredibly careful of COVID-19. You know, when, when it first came out, uh, I, you know, there were people that went to supermarkets in like scuba diving suits and like put everything in plastic bags. You know, after a while, we'd all wear masks and, uh, you know, we'd wear, some people wore rubber gloves. They were incredibly careful of this contagious disease called COVID-19 because they didn't want to die. All right, but when it comes to envy, no one cares. Let's just run around free and naked and let everything come into our brains. All right? We have to be just as aware because right? envy, jealousy right, can lead to things just as deadly and just as harsh. Right? Envy will bring you to a lot of dark places. Right? So a lot of our, all our young ones, hopefully you hear this. Right? Jealousy will bring you to a lot of dark places. Bitterness, depression, loneliness, anger. Right? Almost all caused by envy, right? And Asaph, our psalmist, right? This envy of the arrogant, this envy of this prosperity of the wicked, almost caused this man of God to leave God. That's kind of a scary thing. All right, so that's the bad. That's the bad. Let's get to the best. All right, so we talked about the good. He was in a good place. He went to a bad place. All right, and then he gets to the best place. All right, so we're going to go to verse 16. All right, and it says, But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me 
a wearisome task. All right. So again, once, I, once again, I said there's, there's all the way three through verse 15, right? There's a lot of reasons why. It's not just envy. There's a lot of things there. So for all you ones that just got the Bible, that's your homework this week. All right, read that. Find out why, what are the reasons why. But verse 16, all right, so what do we do? What do we do? Because this is not an easy problem. Right? There's a right way to live, and there's a wrong way to live. But for some reason, the wrong way seems like the better way. It's the more exciting way. It's the more fun way. Right? So why is this? Why is this? Right? Again, verse 16 says, how do you understand this? Right? This is a tiresome thing to figure out. It's hard to figure out. Right, so verse 17, let's get to the answer. It says, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Right, then I discerned, or then I figured out their end. Right, so what he's saying there is, the answer for the wicked people is in their end. Is in their end. Right, we get so consumed with the right now. Right, what's happening right now? Right, for the kids, all the time, I always hear you guys when nothing's happening, you always say, I'm bored. Right, all you parents have heard that echo in your ears so many times. I'm bored. Okay, because you guys are so consumed about right now. Okay, or else it might be, I'm hungry. Right, and the parents, you know, you've heard that before. Okay, because your kids are consumed with right now. Now, okay, they cannot see the bigger picture, right? They cannot see the bigger picture. Right? Um, example, example, okay? Um, some of you kids have phones, right? The cell phones, or iPhones, Android phones, right? Some of you guys do not, right? For those of you little ones who do not have a phone yet, do you want a phone? Yeah, yeah I see nodding heads, some hands are up, okay? Or you want a better phone, okay? All right, this is the struggle, okay? You guys that raised your hands, right? You are thinking of the right now, okay? So if your parents say, why should I get you a phone? You're gonna say, because my friends have a phone. Or you're gonna say, so I can do my math on my phone and so that you can call me when I go out and sometimes I might get lost, right? But the real reason is because your friends are on the phone and they're playing games and you wanna play games. And sometimes after church, you know, they're sitting on the couch and playing and and you don't have it, so you can't play, and all you can do is watch, and you're so envious, right, right now. Okay, but your parents, who can see the bigger picture, right, they're worried about the internet and all the bad information that's on there, all the social contagion, all the virus stuff that's wicked and evil, all the things that are going to lead you into bad places. So they worry and worry and worry. And, you know, I've done so many, I've done parent seminars, and like the question, one of the questions that always comes up is, when is a good age to get my kids a phone? Right? And this is the, something that they struggle with. Right? So all you kids, I'm sorry, your parents are struggling. Right? Your parents are having a hard time. Right? So don't just think of the now. All right? Think of what is the end? What's the big picture? Why are they making me suffer so much? There's a reason. Because right? they're looking beyond just now in your pleasure and your comfort. Okay? So um, the answer is the end. Okay? So what is the end of the wicked? All right? What is the end of the wicked? Right? We look at the wicked right now, and they have money, they have fame, they have clothes, they have popularity, they have clicks, they have likes, they have all this stuff. But what is their end? Right? And that comes in verses 18 to 20. It says, truly you set them in slippery places. 
You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly uh, by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O oh Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as, as phantoms. Okay? So all the wicked things that wicked people do, you know, it looks like things are so glorious and so full and they're having so much fun, but there is a judgment coming for those people. Right? There will be justice. Right? It may not feel quick enough to us, right? but in the end, good wins. In the end, justice wins. In the end, God wins. Right? In the end. Like, have you ever watched a movie and, and in the end, like, the bad guy wins? And like, it feels really uneasy? Like a lot of those weird Korean or like, Asian movies are like, really twisted and sick. And at the end, the bad guy wins. And you're like, Ugh, this world is, I, can't, I don't want to live in a world. Like, you, you want like, the Avengers world. You want the Superman world. You want the Spider-Man world where the good guy wins in the end. Right? You want Lord of the Rings where, where you know, good triumphs over evil. Okay? And, and that takes time in the movies, right? And here it's taking time. God has purpose, right? But in the end, good wins, justice wins, God will win. Right? And we have to trust God, right, that he's going to accomplish these things. Right, so uh, in our chapter, uh, we're kind of back at where we started, right, uh, where, where we did our scripture reading. Right? And we can see hopefully a little picture of how he got to these verses. Right? He was a man that thought God was good. He understood who God was. He almost walks away. Right? One of the reasons being because of envy, jealousy of the wicked, of how good their lives seem to be. Right? But because he went into the sanctuary of the Lord, right, now he's in a place where he figures out or he can see the end of the wicked. Right? And now we get to these verses, uh, starting from verse 23. Uh, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Uh, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Okay? So, um, just as important as what the answer is, okay, the answer is, you know, you got to look at the end. Okay, don't just look at the now, right? but look at the end. Right? The, also important to that is how did he figure this out? Right? And the first part of how he figured it out was he was in the sanctuary of God. Right? He went to be near God. Right? Come to church. Go to, join a GLF. Right? Go to where God is. Right? Be a part of that. Be jealous for God. I want to be near God. I need to be near God. He calibrated himself by being in the sanctuary of God. Right? Um, you know, if you've ever used GPS on phones, every once in a while they give you like that little figure eight thing because it's like lost and the map's spinning, and it says like move your phone in a figure eight. That always confuses me. Like, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to go like this? Are you supposed to go like this? Are you supposed to go like this? Like, like what is that symbol? Okay, and until you do something, all right, then the phone doesn't correct itself and find out where you are. All right, Joshua's over here doing this. Okay, this is the right way. All right? <laughs> yeah, like, what is it? Why can't you just do this? Or why can't you just do this? I don't know. Okay, but anyway, someone in uh, high tech, tell me later after service. But, but you got to calibrate that sucker so that it knows where you are. Okay, and in life, 
Sometimes, you know, when we're looking around and saying, ooh, nice shoes, ooh, piece of candy, ooh, ooh, that, that chicken, crispy chicken looks delicious. Right? All these things confuse us, right? And it's in the sanctuary of the Lord where we get calibrated. Right? It's when we come together with the people of God. It's when we go to the retreat. It's when we spend time in our word right, where we get calibrated right? and we find out, you know, we remember what is the end, what's the beginning, where are we in the middle, right? and we focus on God. Right? In addition, right, uh, when we go to the sanctuary, right, we are near God. God keeps us near him. Right? Uh, verse 23, again, it says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. All right, so um, question, uh, not for everyone, just, just hypothetical or just to think in your head. Right? Um, who's keeping who near? Right, who's keeping who near? All right, let me read verse 23 again. Who's keeping who near? Nevertheless, I am continually with you, God. And it says, you hold my right hand. Okay, who's keeping who near? All right, so... Um, another example, after church when we, you know, finish up, there's always like little toddlers or little kids kind of walking around, right? And they're just kind of stumbling, doing their own thing, okay? And the toddler, if they could say something, they would say, you know, my mom is continually near me, right? Is it by the toddler's effort that the mom is near them? No, it's because the mom is constantly watching the little toddler walk around, and when the toddler walks around the corner and is no longer in eyesight, all of a sudden you see a parent talking to someone, and they just stop the conversation, and they have to run around the corner, right? And they have to find out where that little toddler is before they get into trouble. Okay, so here in this verse, he, uh, the psalmist is saying, nevertheless, I am continually with you, right? but the credit goes to God, because you hold my right hand. Right? God is holding on to us. God is holding on to us. All right, and if I keep going, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but who is the strength? God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. All right, God is the one that's holding on to us. Sometimes we get so discombobulated looking around the world uh, for us older ones, looking for this bigger job, looking for the better startup, looking for the nicer car, looking for our spouse, looking for all these things, which are wonderful things to look for, right? but we have to put our priorities in line. Right? Let God be our foundation. Let God be the strength of our heart. Let God be the portion. Right? And find yourself in God's sanctuary. Find yourself near him and find out what that means. All right, so let me wrap things up. Let me wrap things up. All right, my, um, my call to us for today isn't necessarily just to be less envious, okay? All, everyone in the church, after we leave today, we're going to be less envious. We're going to be less jealous of other things. All right, do that. Absolutely do that, okay? But the main call is to recognize that Jesus is near, right? Desire the biggest thing, right? The best thing. Right, which is Jesus who gave us everything to be near us. Right, we think that the best, the biggest thing that's going to satisfy us is you know, a better job or nicer toys or the iPad or a phone or, or whatever else it might be, if I can get on that sports team. But the best thing, the biggest thing, our eyes look too low. We need to look higher. 
Right? We need to be jealous for better things. Right? And the best thing that we can be jealous for is Christ himself. Right? He gave us everything to be near to us. He went upon the cross so that we could know him. Right? He went to that cross to die for our sins so that he could extend his right hand to us and offer us, offer us an invitation to be part of his family, to be near to him. Right? Without that, we would never be able to know him. If you have Christ as your strong foundation, you'll be able to withstand all the social contagions. You'll be able to see what's left from right. right? The winds, the waves that this life tosses at us. We'll be able to understand those things. When Christ is our foundation, when we stand on the rock, we'll know the difference between our left hand and our right hand. Right? So once again, the world gets bigger and bigger. But everyone, God is near. Right? Remember that God is near. All right, let me finish up with a story, because all our kids love stories, and uh, they get angry at me when I don't give them stories at the end. Um, I used to help out at Grace Valley Church, and, and uh, Pastor Frank took over there. Some of you guys know Pastor Frank, and those kids, whenever they see me, they're like, Pastor Frank doesn't tell us stories! I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll tell Pastor Frank to tell you stories at the end of sermons. Okay, so here's our story. All right, once upon a time, there was a proud young man and he went to Socrates for knowledge. Socrates was this ancient philosopher. He was a very smart, brilliant guy. All right, so he walked up to this philosopher and he said, Oh, great Socrates, I have come to you for knowledge. Right? But Socrates recognized that this guy was a, a prideful numbskull. Right? And he knew one when he saw one. So he led the young man around the city. And he eventually got to the ocean. And he went in the ocean. And once again, with the young man with him, he asked him, what do you need? All right, so that Socrates asked him. And the young man replied, knowledge, oh, why, Socrates? All right, I need knowledge. So Socrates put both of his hands on the man's shoulders and pushed him below the water, and he counted to 10. Right? And as he got to 10, he let his hands up, and the, the young man popped his head up. And once again, Socrates asked him, what do you need? And the young man said, Wisdom, oh, splendid one, splendid one. All right, so once again, Socrates, right, and he counts to 20, 19, 20, and then he lets the man up, all right, and the young man gets up and he's like, all right, so Socrates asks him once again, What is it that you need, young man? And the young man answered, Knowledge, oh wise and wonderful one. <sighs> so Socrates, you know, does the S and smacks his head, all right, and he pushes him down in the water again, and he counts to like 50. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right, 50. No way, okay. So uh, after 50, he lets him up out of the water. This guy's like water's coming out of his nose. He's like coughing, all right. And Socrates asks him one more time, what do you need? And this young man finally says, I need air. Right? I need air. Right? And Socrates finally told him, uh, when you recognize the difference between what you need and what you want, you will have true knowledge. You will have true wisdom. Right, in this growing, bigger, ever-growing, bigger world, right, when we recognize our deep need 
for Jesus. Right? Not, our, not all the wants that we want, better clothes, better this, that, better job, more money. Right? When we recognize our deep need for the things that we need, we'll find ourselves in the best place to put our wants in proper order. Okay, we need to get those wants in proper order. Uh, so let me read to you uh, one more time, verses 25 to 26. In the sanctuary of the Lord, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. All right, be careful of that envy that seeks to consume you. All right, let's pray together. Let's pray together. Um, Lord, we thank you so much uh, for your faithfulness. Um, we were little toddlers running away from you, uh, running around snatching teddy bears from other kids, uh, being envious of all the world around us. And uh, even as adults, uh, we're still envious of the people around us, their jobs, their cars, their husbands, their wives, their success, their fame, their glory. Uh, but Lord, you came down to earth and you, you came after us. You looked for us, just like the one sheep that went astray. Uh, you put all your energy, your entire life into finding us. And Lord, as you reach out your hands, uh, help us to know that you're there and help us to know the end from the beginning and everything in the middle. Lord, as we keep our eyes on you, uh, the most glorious thing that we could be jealous for, everything else will fall into its right place. Um, so help us to seek after you and know you. And uh, Lord, when we find envy in our hearts, uh, forgive us and help us to change. And Lord, uh, help us to know your love and your goodness and uh, help us to always find ourselves in your sanctuary and before you. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.